why don't you just ask the person sitting next to you, just or share with him something you are grateful for before we go. Just, say, just share with him something you are grateful for. Giving you a few seconds for that. Awesome, let's, uh, let's read together a Revelations of Uppenbaring 1 verse 9. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. Now, at this moment when, when John goes on to explain how he perceives Jesus, you have to... Um, you have to understand how frustrating it must be for him to try and capture what he is seeing, knowing that we will not see it in the same way. We will not get it, but yet he is trying. He's saying, okay, guys, you need to know his eyes were like a flame of fire. And then I think as he writes, he knows, man, I wonder if they will get this. It's almost like explaining to someone how incredible a, a specific event in your life was. And, and the more you're saying you don't know how amazing it is, the more they say, I know, I know, I know. You're like, no, you don't get it. And uh, here John is trying his best. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. Man. In his right hand, he held the seven stars. How's that? And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died. Behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, 
and those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw on my right hand, and the seven gold lampstands, and the seven stars of the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Right. How to obtain victory in the night? How to obtain victory in the night? Now, the, the early church fathers had a, a saying to describe the different seasons in the life or on the heart of a believer. And, and, and they would say sometimes we understand and, and we see clearly what, what is happening before our eyes. And, and when we pray, we hear him. And when we read, it's like the scriptures be, become alive and we have momentum. We see it. We say, man, I feel close to God. And, and we actually mean it because it feels like that. We sense him. And, and those times they would call the daytime. When it is the day in your life or in your faith. You see things and you seem to have a type of momentum. But then there would also be the nighttime where things will not be so clear, when things, uh, when things are uncertain for you. And, and sometimes it's got to do with many whys. Like, well, why did this happen to me at this time and because you don't understand because you don't see it feels dark why did this happen to my spouse why did i have to live through this um, uh, over my child's life why am i found in this place again where are you lord and it is quite accurately described as the night and here's the thing about the night in my life and in yours, and that is that everyone has times in the day and times in the night. Did you know that? It's very important to know that so that you know when you are caught up in the night that you don't feel there's something wrong with you. We all go through it. And the Apostle John went through it. And there is incredible keys here for us what to do when you are in the night time. And my heart is to encourage you this morning and to challenge you on how to manage your night and how to make your way through it. Are you with me this morning? Right. Normally the people closest to the coffee station, they've got this fast wave. And I don't know if it's got something to do with the refreshments, but um, we should have more stations here. How to obtain victory in the night. Now, let's quickly talk about John and Patmos. Now, if we look at this um, little bit of geography here, we see some of the churches that Jesus mentioned when he was speaking to John. Laodicea, there is Smyrna. Luckily, there's, oh, I thought, Tyatira, you know, if you got the pronunciation, just come and help me afterwards. But at the moment, his pen is writing from Patmos. Can you see Patmos there? It's an island in the sea, 
right? So, so it's separated from the mainland. What's going on there? What is he doing there? That's very important because it will explain to us why this is the nighttime in the light of John and what he does to navigate the night in his life. So in verse 9, John writes the following. He says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. He says, I'm your brother and we are in this together. I was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Because I love Jesus, because of the testimony of Christ, I am on Patmos. What is Patmos? Patmos was a prison. And John was exiled to this prison because of the way he preached Christ after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And at this moment, the last apostle alive. Now, what church history teaches us, and this comes from the pen of one of the early church fathers, Tertullian. He lived a hundred years. He must have probably met John. And he writes about what happens to John. He said he was persecuted like the other apostles. Most of them were persecuted and died for their faith. But there's something that happened in the life of John that caused him to be on Patmos and not to be dead at this moment. There was a Roman empire called Domitian and he was extremely upset with John for preaching the gospel and causing chaos in the empire and so he ordered John to be boiled in a pot of oil in the Colosseum so that the people can see what happens to people that will not bow the knee to Domitian and so when they heat up the pot and everyone is there to see what will happen to John and they put him in the pot he would not die That's the thing about John. It's hard to kill him. And so what Domitian did is he got extremely frustrated because more people would get get saved. It must be, they would say, it must be that the message that this man preached must be true. Look Look at him standing in the oil. This man's God, I want to know more about him. And so trying to torture him had the adverse effect. It actually drew people closer to the Lord and not further away. Are you with me? And so then Domitian said what most mafia bosses say in their life at least a few times. He called these people and he said, you know, John, make him disappear. Make the problem disappear. Take care of it. And when Domitian say, take care of it, there's one place you go. Patmos which is a little island full of rocks in the middle of nowhere with no cell phone reception. And by sending John there, it would be like killing him, making him disappear. Gone on Patmos. That's why he was there. And now his pen is writing from Patmos. Now, this is very important for us to understand the significance about Patmos. Because Patmos is not only an island, it's got a unique connection with, with pagan worship, with idol worship. Now, I don't know if you remember in Acts, this uh, scripture is not on there, in Handelinger, at one stage, 
um, the people are preaching the gospel, and in the streets there's a riot. And a lot of people are making these images for foreign gods and idols, and they are shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Who remembers that? It's in Acts 19. So as the gospel are being preached, some of the people are responding, No, great is Artemis. Great is Artemis, their god. Now, the mythology that these people believed about Patmos is that Patmos as an island was sinking. And that Artemis, their god, and Zeus joined up, made an alliance to hold on to Patmos so that it would not sink. And so what would be left of Patmos, where John is, is the, only the tip with a little bit of rocks on because the rest has sunk into the ocean. That was their belief. And this island, therefore, was a little bit of the home turf of the Greeks. It was close to their hearts because it would pay, it paid tribute to their god, Artemis. So John preaches, preaches Jesus, and the Roman Empire sends him to the very island that would be a place of idol worship. And that's where John ends up. That's very significant. And John is on the island of Patmos. My computer is just giving his last, the last kicks of a dying horse here. Don't die now. Die in 15 minutes. I don't need it. There we go. Good. So that's where John is at that moment. Now, what is happening to this man is we must remember that at this moment, John is about 90 years old. 90 years old. Anyone here 90? 85? 190? Can we give this young lady a clap? That is impressive. 90 and in church together with the believers. What a privilege. What an honor. May we all finish the race like that. Amen? Now back then, you did not have discovery, health, or momentum. Okay? You did not have Franz and his friends from dental care looking after your teeth. When you reach 65, 70, if you had teeth left, you were extremely fortunate back then. There was no dental hygiene project. No one like brushed their teeth with the type of product, products we have now. So what you could assume is John sitting at the age of 90 without any teeth on the island of Patmos. 90-year-old man, maybe he struggles to walk on an island in prison where the prisoners are ordered to mine rocks, to mine stone. That's where he is. I need us to understand that he's in the night. <laughs> he's in the nighttime. He's not with his friends. He's not with the band. Okay. Those who love the Lord along with him have been removed from him. He's been removed. He's alone. What do you do when you are in the night? What did John do when he was on the night? And what does he have to give to us this morning to help us? Verse 10. I was on the Isle of Patmos, the previous verse. And he goes on, he says... 
I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. What this man is saying, when they took everything away from me, everything, when they banished me and they put me in prison, left me alone, no one to help me, no one to fend with me. Thank you, Kimmy. I was in the spirit, let me help you. What about you? Where are you and where am I when we are in the night, when the, wheel, when the wheels come off? This is very important. The first thing that John does on the island of Patmos is he press into the presence of the Lord. It's the one thing they cannot take. It's the one thing they could not steal from him. They could not exile him from this. And so he presses into the presence of the Lord. And we know the presence of the Lord covers the face of the earth. Even Patmos, the place where we pay tribute to Artemis, an idol. John goes and he says, I will turn my face to the Lord. And I will be with him on this place. What about you? Now, this is very important because there's a few things that happens in my heart and in your heart when we do this. One of the things are the following. When you turn your heart to the Lord in the night, in the difficult time, he will always engage with you and turn your face into the future. That's very important because I'll tell you what the enemy wants to do. He wants to tie you to the past. If only I did that. If only I did this. If only my mother wasn't like that. If only my father wasn't like that, I would not be here. This is actually not my fault. It is my past. The enemy always wants you to waste your life hoping for a better past. There's nothing that will ever happen to that. Now, it might be that some things happened in your life and in mine that caused us to end up in a dark place, but when God arrives and he lifts you up, he turns your face to the future. What are we going to do here? As he will plan with you how to walk out of this. The other thing that happens when we press our hearts into the presence of the Lord, is he will help us to take self-responsibility. So he will help us to say, okay, Lord, what can I do here? What do you want from me now? Now, please understand, I'm not promoting self-opsych as a way to the future. All I'm saying is the enemy wants you to have your mind and your fingers pointing to everyone else. Whereas God comes and he wants to ignite your heart for what he wants to do along with you for your future. And so right here at this moment on Patmos, John says, Lord, I'm here to do business with you. And on the Lord's day, he is not 
on his rock, op sy klippie in bitterheid, he's in the presence of the Lord. Like he used to do with his brothers before he was on Patmos. Press into the presence of the Lord in the night. This is very hard. This is very hard, but this is the first step. Are you with me this morning? Press into his presence. And scripture helps us in Ephesians 5 verse 8. It's not on there. It says, do not be drunk with wine, which is a way to deal with Patmos, but be filled with the Spirit. So we see a verb there. So be filled. You know, turn your face. Turn your face to him. Be filled. Activate your heart. In Acts 7, 51, it says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Spirit. And what John is saying, do the opposite. In the night, do not resist Welcome, invite, activate your face to turn towards him in the night. Uh, this also helps us, you know, <laughs> we, we're all the same. Um, sometimes we, we grow and we, we grow fewer past, the, uh, past a few things, but we, as humans, we, we like to say the following. Um, you know, I, I'd like to come to church and I'd like to fellowship with you guys, but I'm actually at the moment just going through a difficult time. All right? But when I am at the better place, then I will come to the presence of the Lord and into fellowship. Who's heard that before? Yeah. So that, okay, in the kingdom, don't be offended, maybe a little bit. That in the kingdom is spiritual nonsense. The kingdom cannot understand that. That does not make sense. I'm on Patmos. Therefore, I turn my heart to the Lord right now. I'm in a dark place. Therefore, I will be there. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Therefore, I will plug in. It is the only way. You see, because we want to rely on ourselves. And God will have none of it. And so we will stay in the night until we say, you know what, I don't know where I am. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. But I'm not going to get it right. I'm not going to psych myself up. I'm going to turn my face to the one who knows. I'm going to be in the spirit. I'm going to draw near to him. That's what John did. And that's what you and I should do. Press into the presence of the Lord brother and sister. And I just want to say it again. In the night, it's harder to press in because you don't see it, you don't feel it. But, but, but you have to make a plan, all right? We are here to help one another. Let's go on. So he says, I was in the, I was in the spirit of the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Okay, so what did this voice say? saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergonim, to Tiatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, to Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw the seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the lampstands, he sees Jesus. Okay, number one, he presses into the spirit. And now, because he has done that, he starts to see Jesus on Patmos. 
And I see, he sees his long robe with a golden sash around his chest. And he describes his feet, his face, his eyes, his right hand. And then he says in verse 17, when I saw him, now it's important, he did not see him at first in the night. Okay? He did not get onto Patmos and saw Jesus immediately. First, he pressed into the Spirit. First, he geared his heart to be near to him. First, he, he reached out. He was in the presence of the Lord on the Lord's day. And then, he saw Jesus. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet. What is he doing? He's worshiping. <laughs> when I saw him, I fell down before my king. The first thing to do in the night is to press into the presence of the Lord. And the second thing is to behold and worship Jesus right there in the night. Right there before the solution comes. Right there before the breakthrough is there. On the spot. This is very important. This is very important because at this moment, as John starts to worship Jesus, he describes him. He says, his feet, his eyes, his face like the sun. And he's looking at Jesus. And can you, can you see what he's not seeing at the moment? He's not seeing the clipper or Patmos. He's not mentioning his oppressors. He's not mentioning his, his, how mad he is at the mission. He's not mentioning at how he's trying to see Across the waters, the land where he comes from, right now, in this moment, he sees one thing, one thing. And he worships Jesus as like his worship takes him above his circumstances in that moment. And it carries him out of the night as he's beholding Jesus. And he misses his friends, but he reconnects with this one friend. And he misses his church, but he's having fellowship with Jesus as he's pressing in. And it's very important what happens here in the night. In verse 11, it says the following. Write what you see in a book. It says the same thing in Verse 19. And so the last thing I want to say this morning is that in the night, Jesus is calling you to engage in your mission on Patmos. One of the ways we move through the night is by not waiting for the day, but by championing the night, by getting engaged. And at this moment, John is 90 years old. And there's one thing he can do, and the Spirit instructs him. Jesus says, right, this is your mandate. So he falls, he falls before Jesus like dead. And Jesus takes his right hand, the previous service, I was talking about the right hand with my left hand. <laughs> so let me do this. He takes his right hand, 
and he puts it on his neck, on his shoulder. And when the commander moves his right hand, he's saying, fall back, go to the left, take that, take that place, that, that place of interest right now, don't fall back, don't fall back. He's commanding, and he takes his right hand, and he says, John, you thought it's over. You thought it's in the night. I am telling you, I am commissioning you here. Take your hand and start to write. You have a ministry to fulfill in the night. Ninety years old. This is not the time for anyone to say, this is the time for young people to minister. No. No. <laughs> You are not done. He is busy with you. You might do a different type of ministry. But the sun has not set and now you are stuck in the night and waiting, I don't know, to go home. No. There's a ministry on you if you are still alive. Amen? Do not get discouraged in the night. Sometimes we think, you know what, um, I, I know we think like that because I think like that and I'm a pastor, okay? So I know, we, I know we're all the same. You know, one day when I've got time, I will, I will go for that thing. No, you won't. If you don't go today, you will not go. I'm telling you now, if you don't start in the night, you will find something else to do in the day. You start today when he speaks with you. And, and I know maybe it, it needs to start um, small like a seed. But if he's placed it in you and if he's placed it on you and you are on the night, okay, then you are not a retired rugby player or an injured one. But when you feel better and when the day comes, no, part of the victory is that he's putting his right hand on you in the night and he's helping you through the night by putting a mandate on you. He wants to use you. Isn't that amazing? And John writes the book of Revelation on Patmos. He thought it's all over. How to obtain victory in the night. I just want to finish off of this. 1 Corinthians 10. I just want to encourage people because I know, I know the night can be heartbreaking. And when we are there, we feel like it will never end. But that's the difference between a believer that trusts on the Lord and those who have no hope is that for God's people, the night will always end. Amen? It will always come to an end, so you can have hope. So you can get up so long in the night and, and, and know that it will end. And God can start to use you. No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Right, But with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. He is with you. Amen? He is with you.
in this place. If we can go back one slide. That number two, to, to see him in the night, it is so important. I know I'm, I'm talking language of the heart, all right? Seeing him in the heart, in the night, just have uh, grace with me. When Stephen, the first martyr, were killed for his faith, they were stoning him. What did he do? What did he do in that moment? He looked up to see who? <laughs> to see him. And, and he held on to what he saw. He, scripture said, and he saw Jesus standing. And it pulled him through. Isaiah walks into the temple in Isaiah 6. The temple is broken. It's decimated because of a sin of a previous king. Isaiah walks into the temple. Now, this is a tragedy for those people. What does he see when he walks into the temple? You've got the broken temple. But then Isaiah 6, go read it. It says, I saw the Lord. And the train of his robe fills the temple. Whenever we enter the night, guess who's there? waiting for you to see him and he will pull you through while he actually uses you for ministry in the night. That's incredible. And some of the most powerful moments, some of the most divine appointments in your life will happen in the night when you know how it feels and when you understand you will be there for the other people. Praise him. You are not alone. And if you are in the day, practice for the night. Practice for the night. Seek his face. Look for him. Tell him who he is. Worship him. Be ignited. You, you know, you, try, you train for war in the times of peace, right? Use both the day and the night. Amen. We are an army here in this place. Each one has a ministry on their life. Let's stand up this morning in this place. While you are standing, I know this is hard, especially for us guys. You know, when you ask an emotional question, it's like, huh? Um, I'm just asking you, you know, are you in the day or are you in the night? moment. It's hard to see. It's hard to tap into your joy. You know, and it might be the night, you know, and, and for us men, you've been, you, you maybe, you've been there now for three, four weeks. That's the night, all right, when it's tough. The ladies know how to, to explain. It's, it's going harder. It's going tough. Um, where you are standing, don't you want to just talk to the Lord? Just speak with him. Say, Lord, I realize I, I, realize I am in the night, or I, I am See things right now, Lord. I feel I'm in the day. I feel excited. Just be aware. Just be aware for a moment. What is he doing with his hand on your life at this moment? And, and I want you to take a minute and just speak to him about it. He loves you with an everlasting love. Just whisper to him. I want to encourage us to take a step of faith this morning. Can we have those three points on there, please? That would be great. 
I want to challenge you. If you want to just commit to, to be better in the night, not to shrink back and be paralyzed, but to get up and, and press into his presence and, 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 and looking for Jesus and, and worshiping him and remembering him and to be engaged in your mission. If, if you want to fight well in the night, then you know, you know what, you've actually been quite passive in the night, but you, you think, you know what, today, I just want that to change. I want to make a commitment. What I want you to do is I want you to walk out of your seat to the front as a, as a step of faith. I'll count for us. I'll count us in in a moment. And I want you to come to the front. And, and here in front, I want you just to commit to this between you and the Lord. No one's going to pray with you or ask you to do anything weird. But I want, I want a sense of movement in this place. I want us to have a faith that, that moves, that we can remember, that, that, that's not only here, but in our bodies, in our limbs. Because you know what? Some of us need to make the commitment to, to get on our knees in the morning. For some of us, we practical like that. If we don't do it, we, there's something there, but there's not really something unless you actually get on your knees and say, Lord, I'm on my knees because it's a sign of respect for you. And it's a sign that I'm saying to you in the night, I'm drawing near. And so what we do with our bodies are important. And that's why I want to challenge you, if this is applicable for you to take a step of faith. and Come out and say, Lord, I commit to this. Pray it through with him. And you can return to your seat. In one, two, three, let's move. If that is you. I don't want you to feel pressure. I don't want you to feel forced here. If a spirit speaks to you, then you obey the spirit and find a place to do business with him no spectators here in the place please if you are at the back just pray to the lord just pray to him if you're coming out come nice to the front because there's some people behind you a lot of people responding just find a place and do business with him say lord i'm a night fighter i mean if you i'm here lord i'm going to do better in the night because i'm going to see the light Let's everyone pray in this place. doesn't matter where you are. If you've got a friend in front, pray for your friend. If you're standing in front here, pray. At the back, you're welcome to pray in the Spirit. If you still feel you want to be here, you can still come to the front. You can respond if you want to. A faith that is alive, that does not die in the night, but something comes alive. Yes, Lord, we do business with you. this valley but it will end remember him for some of you right now as we are praying you ask him to help you just say lord please help me with this i feel weak i feel tired commit to him once again say lord i commit i will seek your face i will remember some of you have to repent, right? You have to repent because you stopped your mission when you realized you're in the night because you thought you're not qualified. So you have to say, I'm sorry, Lord, that the very thing I had to be continuing with, I laid down. 
please help me to pick up my pen on Patmos or whatever it is he's telling you to do. We worship you, Lord. For some of you, you'll just experience just his nearness at the moment and, and, and that will just be enough for now. Just experience you are not alone. He is with you. You have not been exiled away from the Lord. He's with you. You are welcome to return to your seat. You're welcome to return to your seat. What I want us to do just before we go is to take our seats and ask our neighbor, our friend, the person that came with us, what popped up for you this morning? What is he saying to you? And while I'm giving you a minute to talk for that, we're going to hand out the elements for communion and we're going to do communion together. So I'm just giving you a moment to ask your friend what stood out for you this morning. Can we keep this up here on the screen? Thank you so much. Go for it. you are alone here and you're new here, I hope that one of our members bothers you right now. If you see someone sitting alone, just pull your chair closer to them and engage them. If you'd be so brave, so kind. then what you can do is I'm not going to this morning facilitate the, the communion from the front. You can turn to your neighbor and you can enjoy um, communion with a stranger, with your family, or with a friend. But right there where you are, you can just say, thank you, Lord, for your body. And you can eat the bread together. Thank you, Lord, for your blood that washes us. And if there's someone in your group, you can just pray for them and enjoy it together and pray for one another.
Thank you, everyone. Um, I'm going to hand over to Lisa um, just to tell you what's happening around this place. Our heart is really, our heart is really not to impact you on a Sunday and then leave you alone. And that's why Lisa is here, just to show you what's happening around this place. Now you can become a disciple along with these, um, these disciples here. Thank you, Lisa.